This is the Immigration Conversation presented by Fragman, a series of talks and discussions by leading immigration lawyers and professionals from around the world. We'll bring you the most up-to-date business immigration news, issues of concern, and strategies in the world of global immigration and mobility. Welcome to the Immigration Conversation, a podcast by Fragman. Today, we'll be discussing the emerging digitization of travel authorizations in Europe. There have been long-standing electronic travel authorizations programs such as the US ESTA and the Canadian ETA. With the increase in digitization and data sharing in the Europe-UK region and as governments look to strengthen country borders, electronic travel authorizations are set to be introduced. These schemes include the UK's ETA scheme and the European Union's ETIAS. Here with me is Kelly Chua, a director in Fragman's London office, and Andrea Gimish, a manager in our Brussels office, to discuss these schemes further. Kelly, could you introduce us to the UK scheme? What is it and who does it apply to? Absolutely. Thanks very much, Anna Sophia. Yeah, so picking up from what you were saying about border security and digitization, um, the government in the UK have said that they intend to fully digitalize the UK border by the end of 2024. And we're already seeing the introduction of this through the phase out of biometric residence permits and increased issuance of e-visas, as well as more online right to work checks, as an example. So the ETA is a digital permission to travel. It's not a visa. Individuals will need to secure it before boarding a flight or a train or any other port of entry to the UK. Um, the scheme went live on the 25th of October, uh, just last week, for Qatari nationals. Uh, other Gulf states will be launching in February next year, and the rest of the world will roll out during the course of 2024. So by the time this is fully rolled out, it's going to essentially mean that almost everyone wishing to travel to the UK will need some form of permission in advance of that travel, be it an ETA or a visa. The scheme is um, applicable to all ages, although there are limited exceptions. So all Europeans and other non-visa nationals, either visiting or transiting through the UK, will need an ETA. Um, in addition to this, a little bit niche, but creative workers coming to the UK for three months or less and relying on the creative worker visa concession will also need to apply. But there are some exemptions to the scheme. So um, if you're British or Irish, you won't need an ETA. If you're a resident of Ireland who is not an Irish national and you're traveling to the UK from within the common travel area, you'll also be exempt. And the common travel area is Jersey, Guernsey, the Isle of Man, UK and Ireland. Um, if you already have a visa for the UK or you need to apply for a visa to come to the UK, then just the visa will suffice. You won't need an ETA as well. But it essentially means that, you know, if you're coming to the UK on holiday or for a short trip for business or, or other reasons, um, you will need to start thinking about whether you need to apply for this permission first before travelling. Okay, interesting. So the ETA is already live for Qatari nationals and is set to be progressively rolled out to other countries uh, at the beginning of 2024. So Kelly, how will people acquire an ETA for the UK? It should be a really straightforward process. Um, so either the individual will download the UK ETA app, which is now available via the usual place that you would download an app from on your phone, so the 
Apple Store or you know Google Play Store, etc. Um, or it can be applied for online, so just via the gov.uk website. The actual cost of the ETA is relatively reasonable compared to most uh, UK immigration applications. It's only £10. Um, and the actual process itself in terms of the information that you need to provide is relatively straightforward. So just a few basic questions, really, such as personal details, passport details, providing a photo, etc. Um, and then the application should be processed within a few days. You know, optimistically, it might arrive within a few hours or even less. Um, but people are recommended to apply a few days in advance. Once it's issued, it will be valid for two years or it will be in line with the individual's passport expiry date because the ETA will be linked to a passport. So once that passport is changed for any reason, um, the ETA will need to be applied for again, even if you are within the two year period. OK, so overall, the process seems fairly simple and shouldn't be too cumbersome for the applicant, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the key benefits of everything going digital and online is that the process really should be pretty streamlined um, and people will just be able to use their phones, for example, to provide their biometrics and use this specifically designed ETA app, which is, has been specifically designed to make the process as efficient as possible. Um, so, for example, we've been told that users will a be really guided through the information they need to provide. Also, they'll be asked to to verify that information, so there'll be um, a push to minimise any data entry um, errors. Um, and then once it's submitted, it, as I say, it should be a relatively straightforward process of it just being approved and confirmed over email. I think the question that is really raised, though, is what about those individuals who are less technologically minded or, you know, maybe don't have access to a mobile phone or a computer, as there is going to need to be some form of solution for those people as well. OK, brilliant. Thank you so much for that overview, Kelly. Um, turning to you, Andrea, tell us a little bit about the European Union's forthcoming ETIAS scheme. Yeah, we kind of have a similar trend uh, that is happening in, in Europe. So similar to the UK, Europe will be adopting a pre-travel authorization, um, which is called ETIAS, uh, standing for European Travel Information and Authorization System. And the reason for adopting it dates back to really 2013, if I'm not mistaken, when Europe was putting forward what they were calling a smart borders package um, that was really aiming to, to strike the balance between facilitating um, the, the travel of individuals to, towards Europe, but also at the same time um, not uh, damaging the internal security of the European Union because they were seeing a really um, increasing flow of travelers towards Europe. And we all know increasing flows of travelers can also lead to security issues. So then Europe decided as part of this smart border package to adopt a pre-travel authorization, which is called um, ETIAS. What it is, is basically what ETA is, simply a short travel, um, pre-travel authorization. But it is always uh, and very frequently actually mistaken for um, an entry visa. 
you probably will have seen several newspaper articles saying that US citizens will require a visa to enter Europe in the coming years. This is not true. So what ETIAS is, is not the equivalent of an entry visa, although it does have quite some similarities. It is basically a, a pre-travel authorization, which will be much easier to obtain than an entry visa. So the famous Schengen C visa. What it also isn't, ETIAS is not a work permit. It is not a residence permit and it is not a student visa either. So basically, it doesn't grant any rights other than confirming the traveler's readiness to travel to the Schengen area. Uh, similar to, to the UK ETA, uh, visa-exempt citizens will not will be subject to ETIAS. So basically, US citizens, Canadian citizens, or UK citizens. So Kelly, if you're planning a travel to the Brussels office in the coming years, you will be subject to an ETIAS entry authorization, but uh, visa required citizens will not be uh, required an ETIAS. So for, in, for instance, Indian citizens will be, entered, will be able to enter the Schengen area based on the Schengen C visa. Okay, so ETIAS is an electronic travel authorization system for visa exempt nationals only. This will be quite a big change as these nationals have traditionally been used to traveling to these countries in the EU with only their passport. Can you tell us what the application process will look like? Um, yes, definitely. Uh, nothing is more simple than jumping on a train without uh, you know, any formalities for travel. Uh, obtaining an ETIAS will be slightly more complex, but not too uh, complex either. So the process for the application will be quite straightforward. Um, it will be an online application. So European Union is now working to develop um, a website for that online application. Uh, maybe a red flag here to raise is that there are already several fraudulent websites um, which allow uh, travelers to apply for an ETIAS. Uh, travelers should be mindful. This is not yet a requirement, um, but uh, yeah, these fraudulent websites exist, so people really need to be mindful about, about these. Uh, the processing time for the application will be very fast. Ideally, the ETIAS will be issued within uh, several minutes. However, um, if there are challenges regarding an application, um, if several hits are found against the traveler's name in the security databases where um, ETIAS will be um, checking to issue the pre-travel authorization, this processing time can even um, end up being uh, between 14 days and 30 days. Sometimes even an interview might be required for some individuals, but we really expect these cases to be very, very rare. Um, it will only cost uh, around seven euros to, to get the ETIAS. And in terms of validity, once obtained, the ETIAS will be valid for three years or um, until the passport of the traveler expires, if this is less than three years. Okay, so similar to the UK ETA, this process for the application for ETS should be fairly simple for the applicant. And 
Indeed, as you mentioned, we've seen in the news the multiple announcements of the delays to the ETS rollout. What is the, the latest on this? Yes, Anna-Sophia, you and I know how many times we've had to update our materials on the enforcements of ETIAS. Unfortunately, this has been delayed already several times. Um, so the, the timelines that have now been confirmed by, by uh, the Justice and Home Affairs Council um, of the EU are uh, the first half of, of 2025 for the ETIAS and um, the end of 2024 for the entry exit system, which is um, also part of the smart border borders package. Okay, and the entry exit system, what is it and how, how is it connected to ETIAS? So basically this is a, a, a nice term to describe uh, the automation of border checks in the EU. Um, if you took the train to travel to London, you probably have already been a subject to this new autom automatic uh, border check system. Um, it is basically um, a series of you know, passport reading machines that will be implemented at external borders of the EU. And these uh, machines will be scanning the biometric data in your passport and will um, also record the, the date of your entry into the Schengen area, but also the date of your exit from the Schengen area. So basically this will replace um, what is currently happening at most of the EU's external borders, where uh, travelers are um, checked by, uh, by a, a border guard, so a person, who is physically stamping entry and exit uh, stamps on the passport of the individual. Okay, so the entry exit system or the EES applies to visa exempt and visa required nationals and is the automated border checks, which are due to roll out in 2024 towards the end. And ETS applies only to visa exempt nationals and it's a pre-travel authorization and it's only required for visa exempt nationals. Um, so, is that correct? Yeah, definitely. And we can see this really as, as a positive development in the sense that, you know, automation can come with speed, uh, can come with uh, reducing the waiting times at the, at the border checks. But on the other hand, you know, we, machines can be dysfunctional sometimes. Um, I think, you know, everyone has been at least once in their life frustrated with a machine not working in front of them. Um, but also um, it, the additional factor that the entry exit system brings is that it will help uh, monitor even more closely um, the entry and exit dates of individuals in the Schengen area um, and overstays will be much more easily detected. So visa exempt citizens, for instance, are allowed to stay in the Schengen area for only a period of 90 days in any six months. Days exceeding the, those 90 days will be tracked um, and detected by, by that entry exit system and sanctions may apply. Okay, um, thank you for that overview, Andrea. So we've heard a little bit about the UK ETA, the European Union's ETIAS and the entry exit system. 
What should businesses be thinking about in preparation for all of these schemes? I think I can help with that one, Anna Sophia. We do have a handy acronym um, chat, which helps us to think of some of the key things that businesses should be thinking about. So first C is for communication, um, just really ensuring that businesses are getting the message out to their employees and the business partners so that people are aware that the ETA or ETS scheme is here or, or that it's coming. Um, because whilst the application process, as we've discussed, should be relative, relatively streamlined, if people aren't aware of it, it could cause a great deal of business disruption and stress for anyone who's caught unaware. The next thing to think about is how much help as a, uh, the business is going to provide to its employees. So firstly, the cost. So if the cost for an ETA is only £10, SES, seven euros, so it's, it's not a huge amount, but it may still require an adjustment to a business's travel expenses policies. And the business will also want to think about any other resources or training that it may want to put in place for employees to access, just to help guide them through the necessary steps to take. The next thing to think about is that there will actually be an application um, so it will be a departure from the usual process where people can just jump on planes and, and head over and, you know, they don't really need to worry about any free travel authorizations um, because now it will require that online application form or, or in the case of the ETA, um, applying via, via the app. And travellers will need to build in a little bit of time prior to their planned travel to allow for that application to, to take place and to be approved. And finally, one thing to think about is really just tracking of, of ETAs, um, not just the UK, but for, for many other jurisdictions. So, you know, as we mentioned, we're moving into this world of digitalisation. Um, it won't just be the UK and Europe with the ETA scheme and ETIAS, but we're probably all used to the US ESTA scheme. Um, Australia has a scheme, Canada does as well, New Zealand, Brazil, you know, these ETA schemes are becoming more and more common and what we're kind of moving into is this world where individual travellers, particularly those individuals that need to travel a lot for work, might find themselves with a need to have multiple permissions um, just in order to go to their, you know, the various jurisdictions they need to go to, to 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 do their work. And all of these permissions may expire on different dates. And as you can imagine, that might become quite tricky for someone to keep track of. Um, so I think businesses that have frequent travellers or perhaps VIPs, senior executives, etc., that travel frequently may now want to consider whether they're going to provide any support to assist an individual to track these multiple permissions just to ensure that their staff are travel ready at all times. This is really great advice, Kelly. Um, I think you couldn't, I couldn't have said it better. And honestly, um, because the philosophy of the ETIA scheme is really the same as, as the one behind the ETA, I, I would recommend um, employers who have frequent travelers to, to, to the EU, to the Schengen area, to start thinking about these, these aspects as well. Now it's true they have a bit more time because uh, ATS will only um, enter into force if all goes well uh, in 2025, but it's never too early to start thinking about, about planning for, for these travel authorizations. Yeah, indeed. I think the tracking aspect that you both mentioned is really gonna be crucial because um, it's not only about when these different statuses expire, if the VIP or the traveller 
has to re to renew their passport then you have to reapply for all these permissions again so keeping keeping tabs on that is really really crucial um and despite all the planning and support that, that an employer might give i can imagine there's still people who get caught out um perhaps they're not aware or simply they forget um or they've allowed that permission to lapse due to lack of tracking indeed what happens if someone tries to travel to the UK or the EU um, without their permission? Um, yeah, I think that's absolutely something that is likely to happen. And actually in, in the UK, um, the UKVI um, have kind of, I guess, anticipated that this might happen, it being such a big change um, and a, a new scheme that's never been seen before in the UK. So, um, you know, what we do have to remember is it's not just businesses who may be able to help educate their employees, but it's also just regular people who are traveling for their holidays or, you know, coming over for a short visits, see friends and family um, that may need to apply for an ETA. So actually what the, the Home Office have and UKVI have said in the UK is that during the implementation period, um, which started on the 25th of October this year, just last week, and will go through to the end of 2024, they have actually said to carriers, so to airlines, etc., that they can take quite a pragmatic approach. So should someone turn up to check in for their flight, for example, um, and then suddenly realised that they were meant to apply for an ETA and that, that they, you know, they just didn't realise they had to do it. The carrier is actually allowed to use their discretion to request that the individual applies for an ETA there and then at the airport. And if it's undecided by the time of departure, the carrier is going to be allowed to allow someone to still travel. Um, at the end of the implementation period, that's that's really where it will become stricter. At, at that point, the individual will not be permitted to travel. But we do therefore have this sort of 12 to 14 month period um, where, where there is a little bit of, of leeway there to help people get used to this new scheme in the UK. Yeah, same will happen uh, in the EU, Anna-Sophia. So in the first six months um, after the implementation of ETIAS, there will be what in Europe we call a grace period, where if individuals do not have their pre-travel authorization, they will still be allowed to enter the Schengen area um, if it is the first time they are, they are traveling without that uh, pre-travel authorization. But I think the, the question that is even more interesting will be what happens if, if someone um, applies for an ETIAS and is refused or an ETA and is refused. Um, from the ETIAS perspective, um, there, there's different reasons why, why one's application uh, could get rejected. One would be, for instance, if the form that they need to fill in online will be filled in incorrectly. And in that case, it's an easy fix. They can just simply reapply. But there will be um, instances where um, the ETIAS will be rejected due to the checks that are being conducted on the individual's um, background against several um, EU and international databases. As I said already in the beginning, we do expect these circumstances to be very rare, but an ETIAS could be refused for um, a person because of a person's past convictions or because they have previously, for instance, overstayed in the Schengen area. Now, in those cases, appeal possibilities uh, will exist.
And actually, that's quite an interesting point of difference with the UK system, because in the UK, there isn't really going to be um, a practical ability for someone to appeal a decision. So um, the applicant would therefore either have to reapply for their ETA, perhaps if it was a very simple data entry input error that, you know, isn't a true reason for, for the application to be refused, or they would have to apply for a visit visa or a transit visa um, and obviously address the reason that caused refusal in the first, first place, either by, you know, presenting some representations or additional documentation to evidence why they are they should be permitted to come to the UK. Um, interestingly, the UK BI have said that the system is going to be really highly automated. So um, where there is we they were kind of anticipating for applications to be in large part just processed and approved, but where there is a cause for concern, um, at that point a human caseworker will intervene and they will actually review the application. And in particular, before an application is refused, it will definitely be a human being um, considering it. And that's really where we would expect applications to be delayed. So that's where you're pushing into three days or more processing times, as opposed to probably just a few hours. Because before the application is potentially refused, it will be fully considered by, by a person. Okay, interesting. Um, to support employers, we've also been conducting a survey and um, early results have shown already that 64% of companies uh, indicated an intention to support employees, but only 3% are fully prepared so far, which is a bit alarming, particularly since the ETA is coming up so quickly in 2024. Um, most companies surveyed indicated that they will be supporting their employees with the cost and in terms of other support, uh, the majority will be making reference materials and guides available to employees and conducting employee awareness campaigns. Um, and almost a third are interested in using tech solutions to manage those uh, travel authorizations for their workforce, uh, such as using a digital travel wallet, which you can understand would be quite useful, particularly with tracking all the expiries. Um, and we're likely to publish the results in the coming weeks of the survey, so do watch this space. Thanks to you both for joining and talking about these schemes and comparing and contrasting them. It seems we are still some way away from ETIAS uh, for the European Union, but the UK is going full steam ahead. So we'll soon see uh, the system go live for other nationals other than Qatari nationals uh, in 2024. No doubt we will be providing further updates to our clients on fragman.com on our external website and our social media. So if you'd like to keep up to date with us, please follow us at Fragman on Twitter. Thank you very much to both of you again. And thank you for joining us on the Immigration Conversation with Fragman. The Immigration Conversation podcast is presented by Fragman the leading firm dedicated exclusively to immigration services worldwide. This episode is current as of the date of recording. With frequent changes in global immigration, be sure to keep up to date by visiting our website at www.fragamin.com and subscribing to the Immigration Conversation on your favorite podcast service to hear the latest episode. This podcast is for informational purposes only. This podcast does not constitute legal advice or give rise to an attorney-client relationship between any listener and our firm. If you have any questions, please contact the Global Immigration Professional with whom you work at Fragamin.